All right, welcome back to the Lone Star Lowdown. I'm Ty Henderson. We have Shea Holt, Corey Guidry here. You know, the, the usual crew, we're all here. Sorry we took off last week. We had some last-minute stuff come up. Uh, you know, it's the holiday season, uh, but it's good to have all you listeners here. We wanted to. I want to start off the show by saying thank you all for listening. If you all have kept up with us at this point or even just kept up with us on social media, it's been a great first year of the Lone Star Lowdown. And uh, today we're going to have a little Texas uh, Longhorns sports, you know, special. Uh, that's all we're going to talk. We're going to uh, nail down this Chris Beard situation. Uh, I'm sure some of us will have some interesting thoughts about that. Uh, it's also National Signing Day today, uh, Wednesday, the 21st of December. Uh, a lot of big time recruits uh, putting their name to, you know, paper today and officially committing to Texas. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's dive in right there. Uh, Shay, who is the biggest commitment besides, do you think Arch Manning's the biggest commitment in this class? Let's just start there. Um, as far as, uh, you know, what he means to the university of Texas, um, uh, excitement coming to the program thing, like things of that nature. Yes. By far, probably the biggest recruit we've had that I can remember. Um, I don't know that we've had a recruit in this new age of, you know, uh, social media where recruiting is followed very heavily, where these high school kids are given a lot of uh, a, pla- a, a rather large platform. I don't think that we've had a recruit this big in this age. You know, there uh, hasn't been many this big in general. Exactly. I mean, he's uh, what's not- the biggest since VY, right? Or For like Texas? the highest rated player? Well, Quinn Ewers. Quinn. Was- oh yeah, VY Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. Yeah. So back to back years. Getting. I mean, we did. We Quinn Ewers was committed to Texas for a short time. He flipped, and now he's back. Um, Corey, who do who do you who's your biggest commitment I besides think, Arch Manning? I think it's really a four, maybe a five of just core guys that you could really see taking this um, program for the next three years and hopefully elevating them to where we want to get. And I'm seeing Arch Manning, Anthony Hill, Cedric Baxter Jr., and Jonte Cook. I think those four guys are really going to be the centerpiece of this program as long as as well as they're bringing in about five more offensive linemen backing up a huge offensive line class last year um and I think that's the way to go especially moving to the SEC where they really have the advantages the size up front and even the Big Ten schools you look at Michigan that's their huge advantage that they've had this year is they just dominate in the trenches so you're gonna have to be able to dominate in the trenches to play with these best teams but also, just the weapons and Baxter, you know, he's coming Cedric in. Cedric Baxter from Miami. Yeah, and then uh, Jonte Cook, who Shea got to see in person. He's an electric. How was that? He's we'll, electric we'll Talk about that for a second. How were the state championships last weekend? Oh, state championships are great. Um, obviously, the Dallas South Sector dominated. Um, I think a, D, a DFW area school won every game I was at. I was at from the, the four highest classifications, um, that being all the five and all the 6A games. Um, you know, Jonte Cook looked good. He had a touchdown. He busted outside and, um, you know, beat everybody around the edge. Um, you know, definitely has that game-breaking speed and agility when you can get the ball in his hands. Also dropped a point-blank touchdown that really would have put that game away. Um, he catches a lot of passes with his body. Um, not, uh, you know, he, he looked good. Uh, they, they doubled him. They put two guys on him, you know, on every play. And that allowed uh, guys like Trey Wisner, and they had another running back who actually carried the ball. Trey Wisner, a four-star running back recruit, also coming to Texas. They had another running back, number 22. I don't have his name. He actually won MVP of that game and toted the uh, heavy workload, uh, most of the carries, 
but uh, he's awesome. You know, they, they just had a lot of skill, yeah. position, talent. Trey Wisner seems like a kind of a specialist guy. You know, he reminds me of a Killian Robinson. Uh, it's a good comparison. And, he's a bit smaller. Yeah, he's like just, I, I expect him to maybe contribute on special teams next year. You know, we're losing to Sean Jamison, who's the primary kick returner the past few years. Uh, I'd love to see him kind of work behind Killian Robinson. Hopefully Killian Robinson doesn't enter a transfer portal because that's – Hopefully know, he gets more reps on offense. Well, I mean, let's – Jonathan Brooks, we got Blue, Cedric Baxter, and then Weisner are the are the four guys next year. Yeah, right? and if Baxter's really ready to play, that could really push Keelan, you know, so that could be an option. If Baxter's really ready to Well, know, Cedric Baxter, he seems like a, a kind of three down. You know, he can he, do, he doesn't have to come off the field. Two, um, 215, 6'1". Yeah, you know. Going to be 220 by he, the season. He will probably be the featured back by the end of the year, I'd say. I, I mean, a lot of these Florida kids, they come in and they're not quite ready to play big time D one football immediately. It takes them a time to adjust. Um, I mean, that's same for all high. We did, we barely saw Bijan Robinson uh, halfway, halfway through his freshman year. Cause Tom Herman refused to play him. And Keontae Ingram got the bulk of the carries. But once we really saw him start to get the majority of the workload, we, we saw the potential he had. So I expect to see the same kind of deal from Cedric Baxter, uh, but Trey Wisner. Yeah. Like what is What is he like? Five, eight, one eighty five. Uh, Maybe a little taller. Than I that. got him listed here, five eleven, one eighty. Okay. But these are always not completely accurate. But you know, it's close. He's Look, he's a slight. He's going to be a slot receiver, y'all. You think um, so? Yeah. Like I saw some. You know, they split him out wide a lot at the Soto. Um, they did give him some carries, but but they do that. Texas already does that with you know their running backs as well. Keelan Robinson just trying to get them out in space. I, does he have good hands? Because that's that yeah. could be a reason he's playing at running back. Yeah, I thought he. Uh, I was impressed. I, like he was like. Let me put it to you this way: he was not Desoto's starting running back. Like I saw, he, he only had like twelve carries. He had eleven touches, I believe, yeah. and um, you know had like two hundred yards and like a couple touchdowns, or maybe maybe under two hundred yards. I need to. I need to look at that again. But um, you know, uh, he was good. He he scored on multiple downs or on multiple, scored multiple times. Um, Looked good. We got some good footage up on TikTok if y'all want to check it out uh, on Trey Wisner. I think he is a, a big time recruit that you know is living in the shadow of Cedric Baxter. Um, it might take him a while to get on the field uh, just because of a loaded back, uh, a loaded running back room. But uh, I think ultimately, yeah, he could find himself in a Jordan Whittington type role uh, in in this offense. Um, hopefully, you know, as long as he can stay on the field. Uh, he, he should be good for the horns. The recruit I'm most excited about is probably Anthony Hill. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we have a really good track record of getting uh, five-star linebackers into the league when we get them, and we hadn't had one in a while. Malik Jefferson, probably the last. He uh, was. I saw he was the last highest-rated linebacker we got. He's the highest since him is Anthony Hill. Yeah, and um, we've, uh, you know, since uh, – since Derek Johnson, we've had a really good record of putting guys into the league when we get five star. You know, like we hit on on those those top tier linebackers. We just don't always get them. They you know they go to A and M or you know LSU or wherever. Um, can't keep them in state. So I'm really excited about him. And that was a big flip uh, getting him from OU. Uh, that's just you know. Uh, I thought he flipped from A and M. Oh yeah, they not. Cold Bostic flipped from OU. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I flipped them around. There's but, another. Uh, the kid out of Hawaii. What's his? Do you have his Liona name? Leofu or whatever? Yeah. So he's been he's been projected to go to OU for a while, but I think we should know by around three p.m. today where he's going. And a lot of 
there's been a big push Texas has been making in the past few days, and it looks like I've, I've seen a few crystal ball uh, predictions from Jeff Ketchum. I think he posted this morning. It looks like he has him going or committing to Texas today, but that's another huge uh, pickup. If, if he does end up committing, it would be another huge pickup at a probably the biggest position of need. I mean, we have Jalen Ford this year who somehow wasn't defensive player of the year. I still – I'm still pissed off about that. He did, he deserved that award. He made uh, some great strides in this plan for this defense this year. Really led the unit uh, with Demario and Overshawn leaving. You know he he played all over the field. I expect Anthony Hill to come in and contribute immediately, especially since I mean, do y'all even know the name of another linebacker on the depth chart right now? Brockemeyer's gone. I mean, he yeah, started two years Dave, ago. David Gabinda, former high profile crew, chance tra- into the transfer portal. So yeah, I mean, he's a guy that. I was never switching really, between running back and never really linebacker. found his home. I, but the thing about Anthony Hill is, I think he's ready to go. I mean, he look he looks like an NFL player, yeah. especially the way that the NFL is drafting these off ball linebackers these days. They want sideline to sideline speed. They're not overly concerned with the six four two fifty Brian Urlacher Johnson anymore or Brian Urlacher. You know, it's more of the you know the Devin Whites of the world, the um, Levante Davis. You got to be able to cover. Yes, and speed, which Anthony Hill has. He flies. I mean, you watch his tape. He's probably the best football player that we're bringing in, um, if you just had to rate it by that metric when you just watch him. I mean, he absolutely jumps off the field. Um, so, yeah, he, I, th- I mean, you should expect impact from him immediately. And also Derek Williams, the safety, who I like. He's he's a real physical player. We were, real, we were a little worried about him coming in the last night. I mean, he's been a commit for a while, but, uh, you know. Out of Louisiana. A guy out of LSU – or out of Louisiana has a lot of pressure to go to a school like LSU or Alabama, you know, stay in the Deep South. And his mom came out yesterday, and uh, I know Jeff Howe uh, at Inside Texas works at the Horn. He was telling me that he was talking to his mom uh, – Williams's mom yesterday and she's like oh you're just gonna have to wait and see what happens and I I think they were kind of just playing into the the hype of national signing day he ended up committing this morning but another big get Michael Griffin said this morning on Longhorn Network that he might end up being the best safety in Texas football history Derek Williams yes I mean he 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 is talented man and this I mean that's that's coming that's high praise coming from a Texas great and a and a natural solid NFL career as well. Yeah, I mean, Michael, my, both Marcus and Michael Griffin, you know, Bowie High School came from Austin, both played for Texas, obviously. We're just such natural playmakers in the backs and back into the secondary. So to have him say that, and he also said, I mean, he's a natural, he's a natural playmaker. He'd come in uh, at another position of need where we have guys like Michael Taff, who shout out, earned a scholarship last week. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, he's a friend of the program, been on before. We'll have to get him on in the offseason to talk about that. That was a cool moment. But obviously, we love you, Mookie. We love you, Michael Taft. But we need some more depth in the back end. When when guys, when guys walk-ons are being oh, forced into the game. I think Michael Taft will be all right uh, on, the, on the team. He just, uh, I think he was a little, um, you know, younger than yeah, he experienced w- this year. He was kind of forced into the role, like you're saying. And I think he will develop and, and be, you know, and probably see a lot of playing time in the future. Uh, it was just, yes, um, he was a redshirt freshman this year. And Walk on. You don't want any, I mean, that's not where you want your program to be, to have redshirt freshmen playing. Um, no no disrespect to Michael Taft, friend of the show. Um, but, yes, uh, at times he did struggle this year and, you know, bringing in more talent uh, all around the secondary. I mean, we got guys like uh, Malik Muhammad coming in 
Uh, hasn't to- signed yet, but they're, I believe uh, South Oak Cliff is supposed to de- be signing at noon. Yeah, they're having so. like a DISD well, event. But Malik Horse is... 247 has him as a hard commit. Yeah, as well oh, he as, is. Yeah, so I, I think he's staying. He had a pick six in the state championships. Uh, South Oak Cliff, uh, repeat state champion as well. Another, another kid out of South Oak Cliff coming is Billy Walton off the edge. Uh, that defense was really stacked. They had They're several. 5A, right? They were uh, 5A Division Two is what they were in for the uh, state championship. Um, but, yeah, they are a 5A just because they're inner city. And, um, I, you know, sometimes those inner city schools South can knock Dallas, down baby. the 5A. Hey, man, DeSoto, South Oak Cliff, and Duncanville, all those neighborhoods are pretty much next to each other. Um, you know, I'm sure all those kids grew up playing football, you know, in the rounds together. Has Dallas, you think Dallas has kind of taken over? I mean – I don't know if that they ever weren't, but as the main recruiting hub in Texas, I'm opposed to Houston. I mean, obviously Austin's made it's, up some ground in the recent years. It's year to year, man. Um, you know, uh, just the whole Houston area, it depends on what you're going to lump in. You know, it depends on where you're drawing your boundaries. Uh, I think uh, for, for Texas schools, it's the Dallas area, but I feel like LSU gets a lot of those kids out of the Houston area and, you know, uh, as well as them being imported to the SEC um, that we just aren't even seeing. So maybe it uh, appears uh, that the DFW is um, re- uh, producing more, but it, it, I, I think it's year to year. Um, there were some big, there were some big recruits out of the Houston area this year as well. Um, but it definitely seemed like Dallas was um, the Dallas area just had a great year. Like I said, they want, they swept state, um, you know, uh, and, 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 and teams like Denton Geyer didn't even make it. And they, you know, that they had probably the best quarterback in the state, uh, potentially, and that Arnold kid. Um, you know, the thing I'm looking at in this recruiting class and a bit worried about is, you know, there's a lot of great skill position players, um, uh, some good players in the secondary, not a huge class for offensive line. We have, uh, I think, what, three commits? Yeah, but what, there was like seven last year? We saw, we signed like five. I mean, I'm looking here. that Now, some of these are three-star guys, but lower down the – totem pole you would say there's way less like four and five star yes. offensive linemen than there are like receivers or quarterbacks correct so. yes yes so i mean you know take that what you will i mean hopefully uh they'll be able to develop them but like you said last big bodies a lot of big yeah, bodies on last that. year they brought in a huge o-line yeah class. And, and three of those guys from last year are going to be starting next year two or this year um but i devondre campbell i expect him to be a starting guard next year um, did y'all see Andre Carriage and uh, Junior Engelau transferred this week? Oh, I didn't see the Engelau news. Um, I saw I, I you know have heard heard on the radio about the other guy. Uh, Engelau went to Oregon, or one of them went to Oregon, one of them went to Tennessee. And that's just something we're always going to have to deal with. Um, you know, a school like Texas who always brings in a pretty strong recruiting class. Um, you know, I, I see us here at four. You know, uh, after after not a, not a very those are all arbitrary here. numbers, though. I mean, uh, of it, course. it doesn't really matter. I just mean, like, you know, we, we're going to we'll always have these, you know, hopefully always have these badass recruiting cycles, understanding that what comes with that is a lot of transfers leaving the program. Um, you see Heisman caliber players leaving programs like Georgia or Ohio State um, just because there's no room. How about uh, JT Daniels onto his fourth school? Going to Rice. Yeah, he'll play the Longhorns for his – I think he'll come to DKR for his third time. On with third, a, <laughs> third different team. Yes, uh, Rice. I think we open the year next year against Rice. And um, I'm sure, you know, it'll be a, a warm welcome home. Interesting place for him to go. Uh, 
just you know, a couple years at USC, a couple years at Georgia. Then went to those are pretty good schools. And then went to West Virginia, and now is going to Rice, which is a very prestigious academy, um, even if they aren't a football powerhouse. I was uh, saying, I, I think he's probably the first person in history to football or not transfer from West Virginia to Rice. That's about the polar opposite for academics. Yeah, I, I you know, um, also have a you know, negative connotation of what West Virginia academic, of what their academic institution is based on mostly the population of West Virginia and the stereotypes associated with it. For all I know, it's a very Oh, I applied to West Virginia for just, all I know, just for fun, but it's like a 98% acceptance rate. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> for all I know, it's a very good school. They have some, you know, good it's coal mining, some good coal mining programs. Sure. But um, either way, uh, uh, we'll see him next year at the start of the year. Let's, um, you know, uh, if you all are want to talk about the recruiting class anymore, uh, we can we can move on to the what's the you know the game coming up against Washington. Uh, it's a pretty big matchup, or we can we can keep diving in here. If, um, uh, I mean, there's a few more things. I know uh, Jay Hall. He entered the transfer portal. Uh, receiver transferred from Alabama last year. Never really made an impact after being suspended for a few games. Um, I see, I mean, Jonte Cook coming in. Do y'all expect him to be on the field next year? I would like to see a little development of him. I mean, he's he's kind of built like Worthy, where he's a real slight-built guy. Um, I kind of – that's one position group that I am a bit worried about is the receivers, especially if Whittington's not coming back. I don't know if he's confirmed that yet. He's coming back. Well, that would that would just be fantastic to for him to just man down that slot position and give you some stability there. And you got Nayor. Yes, and too. so you know what your three wide receiver sets are probably going to look like would be Nayor worthy on the outside with Whittington in the slot. And I really like Whittington as just a college player. Um, I think he's a very reliable, tough, tough guy, especially for them for you know those um, short, easy on the quarterback throws across the middle. What third down um, reliable target? So in that case, I would prefer to see John Jonte. Um, Maybe get a couple routes a game, but I mean, we still got guys slower. Like, still got guys like Brennan Thompson, Casey Kane, Milton. Is or is he gone? I think. Yeah, no, he's back. He was. Uh, I'd rather see Kane play over him anyway. So <laughs> Casey Kane's. I would like. But to he, see was young, guys, he was a guy. He was a young guy. If you can catch the ball, I would, yeah. I'd love to see you play. Had some drops, but uh, he's a young guy. So uh, Xavier Worthy changed numbers today. Uh, he went from eight to number one. Now that Hudson Card is gone, uh, I've seen some. Some interest drawn on the Hudson card front from Notre Dame, Georgia, and Alabama. So all right. That shows you what wow. some of the teams around – I mean, all this is just reports, obviously. I think the Notre Dame one is uh, has the most truth to it, but that kind of shows you what programs around the country think of Hudson card. And then, like I said, with the O-line transfers going to Alabama and Oregon, I think some of these – I mean, the fact that these guys are transferring to big-time schools – isn't really. I mean, it's a it's a good sign for our team that there are some young guys in front of them that you know are showing great potential and that they're having to transfer because they're not good enough to start on our team. You know, it for a lot a lot of these guys in the past that have transferred are going to like you know Sam Houston State. You don't always like SMU. See that. Yeah, it's like, we probably like, whiffed on that guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, Calvante Dixon, who he actually hit uh, my, my roommate Carter's car. Uh, two weeks ago, nice. <laughs> it was super random, but he's now at SMU, and you see a guy like that who barely even plays there. You know, uh, it's a it's a good sign. But uh, I think that's it on the recruiting front for me. I know we had some big time tight ends come in. We have um, um, the tie, uh, 
Manning's tight end from his high school. We have him and then another Will, guy. Will Randall, and we also have Spencer Shannon out of Mater Day out in California. Yeah. Big time you know, football producing program. That Spencer Shannon kid is 6'7", 240 pounds. Yeah, and then there's another there's another kid that I know is drawing some interest from, I forget his name, but he's he's either going to Georgia here or LSU, I think. And uh, if we could get that guy, that's a, that's a Jatavion Sanders type of level of talent. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's see how this day ends. I'm sure we'll talk about it next week, but I'm, I'm real excited at where we are at this point in the recruiting cycle on national sign today. Yeah. Um, always, you know, never hurts to have a top five recruiting class. Uh, we'll see if we can maybe flip a couple more prospects if, you know, that, that would always help, but uh, I like our class. Um, I like the momentum that it's bringing to the program. And um, excited to see these kids uh, next year. Almost certainly, we'll see some of them uh, out there on the field. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm good with it. Corey, you got any uh, last remarks on this? No, I'm I'm good to move on. I think we uh, hit the nail on the head. But at the end of the day, all these stars and ratings—they're just ratings. That's all they are. Yep. You know, um, there's been plenty of guys who have been rated very highly and have not been very good, and vice versa. So at the end of the day, they're going to have to. Prove it on the field, but it's not just on them. It's on the staff to develop the players as well. There's more three-star and below guys in the NFL than there are f- and f- three and above or four and above. Aaron know? Donald, three-star recruit. I mean, you can go down the list. Yeah, so. yeah we, we all know about that. But, hey, Alamo Bowl next week, Washington Huskies. Michael Penix, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. He already announced he's coming back next year to play another year of college football for the Washington Huskies after he transferred from Indiana um last year while his head coach got hired by washington uh they're 10 and 2 texas has won their last four bowl games uh we've been in this game many times before we know it we know it well uh it's just down the street in san antonio uh gonna be packed house full of texas longhorns fans what's y'all's instant reaction on how this game's gonna play out well uh, i think the washington huskies are Pretty good, yeah. You see, I think they're ten and two. Uh, Phoenix is going to be a Heisman, an early Heisman um, front runner for next year. Um, you know, just of the players they put on the cycle, that means nothing. But um, he can throw the ball. Uh, they've had a great year. I had some. I have some friends who are Washington Huskies fans, um, and uh, though I haven't watched a lot of Husky football, they've been telling me that they were good well before they knew they were going to play Texas. Um, they've they've been excited about the year. Um, so I'm a bit worried. I'm a bit worried about all these players sitting out for the horns. Um, you know, I think there's a big difference between nine and four and eight and five, uh, especially going from five and seven last year. Um, I think it's all the difference in the world, to be honest with you. Um, building momentum, keeping it going into next season. Obviously, it's nice to just be back in a bowl game, even if it is the Texas Invitational, you know. I, I, I mean... We aren't like we aren't even a candidate for the Holiday Bowl anymore. It's like if we're well, not the going, Alamo, the Alamo Bowl is the the best. Well, yeah, but like that we can get besides the Sugar Bowl. But I feel like we, no matter what, we would have gotten to the Alamo Bowl. Like they like they always talk about the Cheez It Bowl, like it's a possibility, but it's never come. Yeah, down. yeah. it's never happened. Texas Bowl at work. I would have liked to have seen us play USC though. I mean, that would have been cool. Obviously, they got they're playing Tulane in the. Um, what is that? The Might Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl. The Cotton yeah. Bowl. Co- and, and we could talk about the bowl schedule, but the Cotton Bowl is at like 11 o'clock on, in the morning. 
and like on a day where the only other games like the like because there's, there's three bowl games that's all on, eleven. Is that on New Year's Day? It's on the second. The second. There's three bowl games in the morning at eleven, and then there's the Rose Bowl at four, and then no football at night. And I just I don't get that. But you know, uh, not to digress too much. Um, just a little comment on the uh, Cotton Bowl. I noticed when I was looking at the bowl schedule. Um, so yeah, the Alamo Bowl. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a crapshoot with these bowl games to see who's going to play hard. Uh, you know what players we're going to get out there. I know that uh, Overshone's not playing. I know that Roshan Johnson's not playing. Saw him at the Port Neches Grove game really? uh, in Jerry World. Yeah, he was a, uh, you know, he was he was draped up in a nice in his Letterman with the with his squad. You know, um, but uh, you know Bijan Robinson not going to be playing. Um, and you know I'm not a bit and and other players too. I don't have the fullest in front of me. But we're gonna be we're gonna be handicapped. Those are the only guys. There's, I think it's there's an Demar- offensive lineman, it's, maybe. No, it's just Demarvion, Roshan, and Bijan. All right. Well, if it's just those guys, sure thing. I you know I'm not a big proponent. No of one. That. No Is one's sweat plans. Sweat's got high aspirations. I've been seeing him. Um, I've seen him mocked as a first round pick in uh, in some mocks. I um, you know uh, know those are just. Those are just mo- blind mock drafts before the combine. But um, you know what? What do you think about? What do you think about the uh, players sitting out the bowl games? Is it? Uh, I don't have a problem with it, um, especially when you're talking about running backs. I think Rashawn may. You know, you would think maybe the backup running back would. Um, you know, kind of relish the opportunity to be the guy and put that on tape. But Rashawn's a bit of a different case, just because of his size one and how much NFL teams already like him. I know if you've been listening to the show, I've been saying that. Uh, for pretty much months now, the NFL is very high on Rashawn Johnson compared to most backup college running backs. You don't really see them getting too much um, attention from the NFL. So I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I would have more of a problem with it maybe if we were playing USC in the Rose Bowl. Well, yeah, these guys, if we were in the playoffs. If we were in the playoffs. But like, no yeah. one would be sitting out. But except, Rosh- except Ninjigba Smith. <laughs> well, he's been hurt all year, he does too. Ha- he has a and handy, I, I actually, I, I saw that he wouldn't have been eligible anyways because he stopped going to school like, Six yeah, he's he's like failing all classes. So, so. Um, I think the biggest thing, obviously, Bijan, protect your health. Look out for you. You've done enough for this program, and we honestly misuse you at times. I wish I wish the team could have been a bit better around him because he's probably a top three running back and just talent wise in Texas history. But for Roshan, he's playing in the Senior Bowl in like three weeks or like a week after. The, oh man, that's horseshit then. Yeah. Well, no. Like you have to take pride. You, that has to be your priority over playing in the Alamo Bowl. That's what I'm saying. If like, he's gonna go out and play, uh, you know, well, I've heard some people call meaningless football. Uh, what do you mean? How is that meaningless football? The Senior Bowl versus the fucking bowl game for, yeah. your, for your college. The Senior Bowl is huge in the draft process, I especially just, for interviews. Practice. The practice is the biggest thing. The game. Yeah, play well in the game, whatever, with, with your reps. But I'm just talking about the prospect of getting hurt, and like, you oh know. well, I'd he'd probably much rather get hurt playing there than being playing in the Alamo, getting hurt and not being 100 percent for his number one showcase before the combine and the draft. I just, well, you know, I obviously disagree with players sitting out bowl games. You know, I appreciate what those players have done for the university, but I'm not a fan of it. Not a fan that that's the way college football has gone. Um, I understand there's nothing really to do about it. And, um, you know, uh, I know players are already just going ahead and taking off whole seasons. We've seen that in the past. Um, but, yeah, that Roshan Johnson, uh, I didn't know that he was playing. You know, I, 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 I 
can't accept, but I, un, you know, I just re, I, I can grasp the idea of players sitting out their bowl games because it's so universal. But to sit out your bowl game and then play in the Senior Bowl, to me, that's pretty unacceptable. How? That's the. There's a game for the opinion, University man. of Texas. <laughs> it's his opinion, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, trust me, I've had this conversation. I've, I've argued about it for hours already. This, you know. But you just said the Senior Bowl is meaningless football. Well, compared to the football game for you know the Longhorns, how yeah. for your for the you reason, the reason why it I would just say the Senior Bowl could have more meaning is because you are being coached by NFL coaches. You know what I mean? And you're there for a whole week and, practicing. Um, well, well, just because in my mind the only like credible argument for why the players do skip the full game is because they want to protect their bodies going into the NFL drafting process, which at a certain point it's like, well, were was the was you know, the Baylor game meaningful? Was the Kansas game meaningful? Like what these games were meaningful after you have, you know, two plus losses and have no chance of making the playoffs. At what point are the games meaningful? You know, we well, can get to that whole discussion. I'm just saying that to me, the information that, you know, I'm just learning at just learning now that he is not playing in the bowl game, but is playing. Well, in he's the not officially bowl. not playing it. Well, he, but we'll he's see, not going to. Well, nobody's officially not played. We Bijan's officially. We'll know who doesn't play in the game after the game. No, is played. no, the people that aren't playing have already come out and said, I'm not playing. But decision, you know, people change their mind. No, Bijan is not playing in this game. I'm just saying for prosperity's sake that, you know, people change their mind. We won't know who doesn't play in the game until the game is played. That's just the fact of the matter. I don't There's know. not really or any discussion. Or if they're not at practice, which would probably get which those is reports. All, all of them. So um, anyway, I if, just, I just uh, that, that's, that's some very uh, uh, conflicting news for me and the way I'll view Roshan Johnson going forward. All of those players, I'll have a, I, uh, you know, again, I appreciate their time in the University of Texas. They're going to leave a bad taste in my mouth, uh, uh, you know, um, remembering them. Uh, even but Roshan B, even Bijan just just even Bijan yes yeah okay uh, if they you know I would under I would have understood that's kind of selfish of you don't you think totally I would have <laughs> I uh, respect his opinion though I would have you know had they like used Bijan sparingly in the bowl game like oh thirty carries like in the fucking Alamo Bowl yeah okay I could see why that might you know like running him into the ground that probably would have been you know a bit odd but. You know, I it, it would have been nice for him to finish out like Bryce Young. You know, he's he's playing in the Sugar Bowl, and he's gonna be he could be the number one overall draft. Yeah, pick. but Nick Saban is making all of his players play. There's not one single player on their team. I love that. I love that. I think and that's so stupid. Well, he like, could, he can't he can't make them. He could yeah, strong. He can, he can say, yeah, can if you don't play, encourage. I'm gonna talk shit about you to everyone that asks. But in this day and age of social media, I just think that would get out and. If yeah, you're Bryce Young and you're like, yeah, Nick Saban's literally sabotaging my draft stock because I'm not playing, I think the media would have a field day with Nick Saban and they would, Bryce would be able to spin that. And there's also a huge difference between what they playing in the Orange Bowl. Uh, I think they're playing Whatever. Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. Yes, BCS game opposed to the Alamo Bowl. Once again, uh, I, I think if this was a bigger game. I don't see a big difference anymore with the nature of the playoff. I don't see a big difference in the show. Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't blame any of those guys if they didn't play in that game either. Well, I mean, again, it's just a difference of opinion and what's accepted. You know, used to be. Are you saying, like, you. I realize you want them to play in the game from a fan point of view, but do you you realize. I realize why they're making their decision is because of money and because of draft stock and whatnot. I'm not, like, confused on the matter. I know, but, like. 
how would you feel if Roshan played and then t- blew out his knee and never played football again because he wanted to play in the Alamo Bowl against? Well, that could happen to Washington. any of these play. Why not just cancel all the bowls? Like any, they should. I don't think there. I, I think don't think there should be any bowl games. Besides in the my opinion, it's stupid. In my opinion, nobody goes into a year not planning on making a bowl game. Like you don't really sit there and say, "Well, hope you know." Like we aren't planning on winning six games. Like it's part of like the more or less the contract of a of a football team that hey, here are the games on the schedule, and it's understood that if we aren't fucking terrible like we were last year, there's going to be a bowl game at the end of the year. Like uh, you know, that's just kind of what I what I would think going into any football season if I was a college football athlete. Yeah. So like, it's not like. We're springing this bonus game on these guys. It's no fucking surprise. The bowl game is a part of the year that you should be planning for, and you should be planning on playing in it. Because, again, yes, uh, if you aren't in the playoff, well, fuck, only four teams make the playoff. And and once the playoff expands, I mean, if you're a team like Texas and you're playing in, if they're still having, you know, these auxiliary bowls outside of the top eight or 12, um Oh, they definitely will still have they, other bowl games. So, and that they're going to be even more inclined to not play in those games. So, expect even more of this going forward if you're not in the playoff. But I, I, I acknowledge there's a problem with the bowl system that is directly re- related to the college football playoff. You know, those the college football playoff is kind of killing the bowls. The bowls, there's all kinds of problems with the bowl system, and you know, they uh, make no money. Yeah, like no we, one watches them. We could probably like, discuss <laughs> this. We could probably discuss this a lot. But, you know, to some of these schools, to some of these schools, bowl games do matter. I understand at the University of Texas, we think we're better than the Alamo Bowl. But if you go back and look at it, we aren't. Okay? Texas I mean, we're in it a lot. It doesn't mean that we don't, like, I don't think we should ever be playing in the Alamo Bowl. I don't think so either. But we've played in it, like, what, six times this last decade? Yeah. I mean, that's that, It makes it even more meaningless that we play in it so much. Hey, it's the new Cotton Bowl, baby. You know, I mean, it's, not, it's a better bowl game than what it used to be. Like it used to be, it's making it. You know, we're bringing it up. You know, I will say, um, if we kind of want to get geared towards more towards the actual game, I think Texas could be in a little trouble here. If you look at Washington's defense, um, we're gonna stomp their ass. What's the line? Do you know? We're favored by like a touchdown, seven. You know, I mean, it, four it, is what I saw last. It, it worries me because if you're looking at a lot of these defensive metrics, Texas is uh, top five in pressures this year. We did a great job pressuring the quarterback, but Washington's right there at top ten. They're they're like eight in quarterback pressures. They always play a tough brand of football. I agree, Texas should be favored, and if we don't win, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a problem. Um, We're te- gonna win. The Pac-12 is ass. Uh, yeah, I mean, ass. I, I love your I love I love your confidence, and I really do hope you, we do have win. Have you like? Michael yes. Penix is not a good quarterback. Is Quinn Ewers? He's way better than Michael Penix. I mean, Michael Penix is a left-handed Indiana quarterback who wasn't good two years ago. He's torn his ACL twice, and he just is in an offense that they literally scheme guys open every place. So, so basically, you're saying throw the house. Think Texas. about Man. think about who they play. Who is Washington played this year? Okay, well, I'll, I'll I think it's going to be a competitive game. Washington, um, besides their loss at UCLA by eight points, and then a subsequent loss at Arizona State. Yeah, that's all. By you a got. touchdown, they lost to Tech and Oklahoma State. But no, they only lost two games. They lost UCLA and Arizona I'm State. No, two. Us. Oh, us. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Washington. But uh, let me just finish talking about them real quick. Washington beat Oregon State by three. That was a home game. And they beat Oregon in uh, Eugene um, by three as well. And I think those are quality wins. Uh, they beat Michigan State. Yes, th- uh, that was early in the year. And, um, you know, outside of a, a two-game, uh, basically a 
two week uh, road trip uh, tandem. They they won all their games and they didn't play anyone though. No, they played Oregon. They beat Oregon. They beat Oregon. And State. what happened? And what happened when Michigan Oregon State? played someone outside the Pac twelve or Pac twelve this year? Well, they got drummed they got by dicked. Georgia. Yeah. But I mean, UCLA. They, they were ranked six when they went in the when they went in. And beat yeah, them. yeah, because they were beating up on the their. But that was the first game. Of they the lost season. to Arizona State, who is. But I just think I mean, terrible. Texas lost to not good football teams as well. Okay, but like, te- like our worst loss was Tech. They're not very good. I mean, how much better do you think Tech is than Arizona? I think State? Washington didn't beats watch enough Arizona State football. This Arizona year. State fired their Herm Edwards on the field this year. I saw that. Like they are. They were terrible. Washington State, what is that? Probably their second. They lost that game, didn't they? They beat Washington State pretty handily in Washington State. Okay. 51 33. Okay. Uh, They're probably, and what, UCLA is their best one besides that? They lost to UCLA, but UCLA well, yeah. is pretty good this year. Were they, though? They're, were were they good? Were they were good for the Pac-12 once again? But who did I you see? I don't know that the the good Pac-12 schools are necessarily any worse than the good Big 12 schools. So why is Tulane favored against USC? Well, probably because the players aren't going to play. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Caleb Williams is playing. Jordan Addison's not playing. Well, I think he's coming back next year, though, right? Yeah, but he doesn't have to play. It would be a real bad look if you sat out your bowl game and tried to come back next year, man. I, I wouldn't blame him. I mean, fuck, you're playing Tulane. Again, it's like, what games matter? And it's like, why doesn't Caleb Williams just shop it, you know, just like put it up on the shelf and say, I'm going to the draft next year, Jamar Chase style? Like, I, I mean, shit, I wouldn't blame him if he did. Well, I'm just saying, like, that's the mentality now. And I don't I don't I don't know that anybody sat out a bowl game not due to an injury and then come back and played for the same team the next year. If he was transferring, that would make more sense. There's some guys doing that for Baylor. There's some guys sitting there's, out there. There's bowl like game five dudes back. just not playing that are underclassmen. And I think it's purely because they don't want to play in the cold on, on this weekend in Dallas. <laughs> so what is it? What is the game outside? Where is the yeah, game? they're playing at SMU against Air Force. They're playing oh, okay. Air Force, too. So, you know, that's just going to be a shitty game. Like, well, just to play in. Well, you know, uh, I don't want to get too, you know, dug in on the whole giving let's, of the bowl game. Let's talk about Chris Beard. Yeah, let's, uh, you know, that was definitely the biggest news um, of the last couple weeks as far as the Longhorns are concerned. Uh, some of the larger college basketball news. Um, you know, the Horns have, have kept their winning ways up. They uh, The day after the arrest, they beat Rice. I'm day sorry, of. Day of. Well, you know, the night, I guess it was. Yeah, four in the morning when he got arrested. So, um, yes, I want. Uh, he wasn't at that game. He's been suspended. Uh, they also had a win against Stanford up in Dallas, and then I think they're playing tomorrow. They play tonight. Oh, they play tonight. Yes, doubleheader after the women's basketball against game. Against a ten and one UL Lafayette, they are seventeen and a half point favorites. Let's, let's cut to the chase here. Is there any way, any possible way that Beard survives this? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't definitely. Been fired a, yet. He hasn't been fired yet, so. We don't really know what happened. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't think anybody here. There is a police report. The, <laughs> <laughs> pretty well, descriptive. Yeah, but, you know, um, police reports, the way they're read and the way they're written versus, like, the way reality occurs, um, it's always very different. Like, you know, uh, you can never, like, police reports have to be very cut and dry and almost, you know, sounding bad by their nature. Um you know, I, uh, I, and I don't think anybody here, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I don't think anybody here on the Lone Star Lowdown endorses uh, violence in any way, especially not violence against women, domestic violence. Um, that's, you know, I certainly don't want to come off as endorsing any kind of, any, any behavior like that. Uh, but I do recognize that, you know, in America, you are, you know, innocent until proven guilty. 
facts will come out. Um, you know, things will surface. Um, reading the report, it does seem like you know there were other things building up. You know, there were some glasses broken. There was, you know, it, it does. I, I mean, he, I, 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 it doesn't seem like. Chris Beard sat in a bush and attacked his girlfriend. No. You know what no. I mean? It's yeah, just... but just in the world we live in, regardless of who initiated said conflict, um, like, you know, if there is violence and or bite marks, like su- suggested choking these things, um, non-consensual, of course, <laughs> um, that's just, in this day and age, I just find it hard to believe that they're going to send him back out there on the sidelines when people are going to know that he, he has bit and all these even things. Even if the, these charges are dropped, I could still see him getting fired just because you're more is expected from you when you're in that position. Yeah, you know? yeah, I mean, you're supposed to be a leader of young men. You're supposed to set an example. And just to even like we can all agree that he did something wrong. Like he's in jail and there's physical evidence on his girlfriend you know it's not like this is all made up out of the wind like no it seems like a uh, it seems to me like a heated situation got a little out of control he should have had enough um you know uh foresight and awareness of his position and you know to like you know be like hey you know if things aren't going well here at the homestead Maybe you take an Uber to the hotel for the night or to the facility. You know, I'm sure they have somewhere for him to be at the University of Texas. Getting out of that situation, not find. You know, a big part about getting in trouble is just finding yourself in situations where the opportunity presents itself. And like, you know, also about not getting in trouble is knowing, you know, when those situations are coming about and avoiding them appropriately. Um, so on that level, yes, definitely, you know, did something wrong and not understanding the gravity of his situation. And then, obviously, um, whatever occurred on that night, you know, I wasn't there. Well, clearly, um, everyone was drunk. Like, this doesn't happen unless... He's known to have and he's been known some drinks after a after long, long day at work. Hey, so. hey we, were you there with uh, with me when we saw him at Don's I Depot? wasn't. I wasn't, but I heard about you that. You sloshed or what? We were, I, I forget exactly which game it was after. Uh, one of the um, early, you know, one of the middle home games, not one of the later ones. Uh, you know, uh, me and... Some other friends of the, uh, went to Don's Depot uh, here in town, and uh, Chris Beard was there. Um, you know, I didn't talk to him or anything, but it was definitely a, a, the buzz around the bar. Oh, Chris Beard's over no, there. No, he, you know? he's been known. Him and Coach Ogden have been known to hit the town on the weeknights to and, the late hours. And, you know, Augie Garrido had, like, several DWIs. That's obviously not the same that, charge. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's another instance of somebody getting, uh, you know, a very public – Figure. Um, well, well, yeah, a very public figure at the University of Texas getting a very public charge um, against them, especially we know how hard uh, the DWI, anti-DWI lobby is here in town. They make it, you know, they really try to get you on that and try to, you know, prevent drinking and driving, you know, don't drink and drive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, we've seen coaches get in trouble for other things. This is obviously a different case, uh, because a different world. There's a clear victim, and obviously in a DWI, there's a potential for you know a victim or kill. Yeah, or, killing yeah, somebody I mean, yeah. or you know yourself. the outcome from a DUI can be worse than this. Yeah, but, but it's still inexcusable. I are we, I mean, there's really not that much to talk about until we find out some of these legal proceedings. If the uh, uh, district attorney is going to press charges, if Randy, his girlfriend, is going to press charges. 
Um, I know he has a lawyer that's out there saying he's innocent of all these charges. He said in the police report he has some audio recordings that will prove his innocence. But refused to share them. Well, which is smart. I mean, well, yeah, you, know, wait, I just, you wait for your lawyer. but like, Yeah, yeah. He was going to get arrested that night no matter what. You might as well hold your, yeah, he wasn't your gonna, cards to your chest. Yeah, be strategic about the release of it instead of letting it you know, go the same night. Yeah. And it's just a tough situation because, um, you know, the rumors are, and I, again, I don't know anything, that he was not the initial sort of aggressor in the situation. No, that's in the report. And, you know, I get it. You're in your own house that you pay for, the idea that you would have to get up and leave, but it's just the world we live in, man. I mean, especially when you're a high-profile character, I mean, you just got to walk away, even though it is your We all know home. women and how, they can, yeah. and how they can act sometimes. I mean, guys can be just as stubborn and... I'm I mean, sure it was a combination of the look, two. Also, they've you, been together six years and they aren't married. Oh, and they what were on a break. They were on a break. What when does this that happened? tell you? Let me say this also for any of you know young guys listening. Your girl can fuck your life up, man. So just make sure that you make the right decisions with who you're picking and things like this. Because I know for me personally, um, if there was any inkling of me being with a woman and she had any propensity to act this way, it would it would be ended immediately. I don't care how good the, you know. Sexual, sexual relation. Are. I don't. I don't care about none of that. You know what I mean? Like you have to be smart enough. There's plenty of chicks out there, man. Like there's no reason to be in a toxic environment like that. Well, she's uh, a Lubbock girl too. I mean, she you just fighting you, her. She brought her. She, it was, she was a transfer. Well, she played uh, volleyball at, at Tech. <laughs> just well, like she's like older. She's okay, not like okay. a young. Like she wasn't. They would start dating while he was coaching there. Like I wonder. If but she's a, a big girl. That. She's like six feet tall. All right. So I, I'd like to see where this just goes. But um, how tall is Chris Beard? He's like 6'1", 6'2". He's, he's probably about so as tall. Probably a good fight, huh? No, I'm kidding. Well, that too. I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, from the police report, it seems like they were getting down. You know, like not getting down, down, but like they were rolling around. There was bite marks and shit. Like something crazy broke out. Oh, but yeah. anyways, um, let's just hey, Ronnie Terry. I like he he's a veteran. He's been a head coach for at Fresno State and one other place. I can't remember. Or, or UTEP. UTEP. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's done a good job. There was a close call the night of against Rice, but I don't put too much weight into that. I mean, those the the kids, the players, they Their head had to been spinning. Uh, yeah, it, it, a lot going on that day. Um, a lot of noise. You know, I, I this will this will prove how how good this team really is. You know, Chris Beard, he's obviously a, probably a top five coach in the nation uh, from a strategic point of view. And um, we'll just see how it, this is probably the best possible squad for this to happen to with the veterans on the team. You know, you got six and fifth year players all uh, sprinkled across your lineup. They should be able to galvanize, get together and, and to get this. I mean, we're still winning. Let's just see how things get look when we get into Big 12 play. But I don't expect Chris Beard to be back this year. I definitely don't want this year. And I, me personally, I don't expect him to be back at all. I hope I'm wrong. Um, you know, I hope everything comes out and uh, we're able to move past this. But it's just so, uh, so disappointing, man, because I just can't think of another season where Texas basketball had this much promise and excitement, especially with the coach that we have obviously you know the whole shock of smart experience didn't really pan out the way we wanted to and it just seemed like everything was coming together this year to really be excited about this team making a, a tournament run and not saying they can't now but it's just you know just disappointing a little bit of the wind out of the sails kind of yeah and you know they can pick it back up you know like like they like ty said you know you it's got still the one loss basketball team yeah i mean they're still you know a highly ranked team they could still play with the best of them and probably beat the best of them but uh 
Yeah, it's just like it's an unnecessary hole in the cell that we'll have to get patched up. Yeah, like if this was gonna happen during the season is the worst time. You know, like that's just well, it gives you no choice but to just you know put your head down and keep working. If you're a player, you know you're you can't just be coming to the facility every day expecting Chris Beard to walk in the door. It's like you got to go do things. You got to go about it the way that he would want you to go about it. I mean, I don't know. That sounds kind of sounds kind of bad now, but like just take everything he's taught you up until this point. Listen to Coach Terry. He's on Coach Beard's staff. They're still, they're preaching the same the same uh, you know coaching points every day. Just keep trucking. Let's do this thing. But uh, y'all got anything else on that? I think we're probably about to wrap up the show now. No, I mean it. Um... It was disappointing to hear. I hope it was all just a big misunderstanding and nothing nothing wrong occurred. That's but yeah, we'll we'll see case. we'll see how it all ends up. I'm sure it'll all come out in the wash. And the fact that he hasn't already been um I know he's been suspended, but the fact that he wasn't already fired, I think, is a indicating sign that he won't be fired. And people are kind of forgetting. I mean we hey, people forget time heals all wounds. Uh yeah, we I, I mean every morning I look at the text line at the horn during B and E and for the for those first few days it was like, Why aren't you why aren't you guys talking about Chris Beard? Why aren't you Because it was like, Well, we don't have that much to talk about, one. Two, we don't want to just like speculate things. But I haven't seen it this week, not one Chris Beard question. I don't even think we brought it up once. I, that might be coming down from the top, but Yeah, if they do have him back, there will be that week or two of people who are outraged. Um but again, you know, we'll see. There, there, there's nothing to do at this point but wait and see how the legal proceedings play out. Um, obviously, if he was to do jail to do jail time for this and be convicted, um, I mean, he'd have to. It's a felony offense. Unless, well, un- well, the unless um, the lady doesn't press charges, yeah. which could be a possibility. The state will pick it up. That, that's how all domestic violence is, uh, uh, cases work. Even if you know she feels bad about it and wants to get back together and you know be happy, you know, be happy about things. Uh, the state will still proceed. Uh, well, the district attorney will make that decision. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's just it, 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 it won't be up to her. Is what I'm saying. It will not be up to. She could press charges further, but it will not be up to her whether like the state goes forward with it. But yeah, you're right. There will be other members of the, you know, um, the county uh, to in the state to decide such things. Um, you know, I'm. No, I got you. Yeah. I got you. We'll see how it pans out. But, right. uh, I got to um, run to the yeah. station, guys. Go, Women's uh, basketball at 2 p.m. today. Hell Hit yeah. It. We got uh, Horns Hoops tonight. Let's see how it plays out. Uh, Corey, thank you. And, hey, once again, thank you to all the listeners. If you're still listening at this point, you're uh, one of our biggest fans. We uh, we appreciate you all, and we look forward to bigger, bigger and greater things to come in this next year. Wish everyone a happy uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Merry Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Uh, and make sure to check out all of our social media content on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Um, it's got it all for you. And we'll make sure to uh, you know, update y'all on this Chris Beard situation and how the rest of National Signing Day played out next week on Wednesday. Uh, but for now, this is Lone Star Lowdown. I'm Ty Henderson for Corey Guidry and Shay Holt. Uh, we'll, we'll see y'all next week. Hook em.